This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingleton. Taylor Moore. Jay Darden. Congressman Garrett Gray. Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark. Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is The Clay Young Show. Up, up, and away we go. It is episode 220 of The Clay Young Show here at podcast225.com and on the Apple Podcast app. How goes it? Round one of the elections in Louisiana. Well, it's wrapped up. Round two is on the way with a few legislative seats. Of course, a governor's race on tap. But one of the big stories coming out of the first round, the primary uh, series of elections, was that of the incorporation of the southeastern part of East Baton Rouge Parish in Louisiana, forming the city of St. George. And it's been talked about for six years. There was finally a vote after petitions and less than 3,000 votes separated this thing from passing or going away. And over 17,000 people in the unincorporated area, the boundary drawn for this new city, voted in favor of it. So what is next? I've had that question asked to me a bunch over the last few weeks. What's next? Well, let's talk to the spokesperson, one of the sources of what's happening with the information Drew Murrell, who will be with us in studio. Now, just as an FYI, we recorded this interview, as I sit here with you now doing the open, yesterday. And apparently there was some audio issue with it. And don't don't worry, you'll be able to hear it clearly, but you'll notice that the, the quality is about a 9.75 and not the solid 10 that we drop here on every episode of The Clay Young Show, but you'll be able to hear Drew's thoughts on everything from what happens next, some of the doubts about this. He will speak to the charge that this was all born out of a a desire to segregate and talk about some of the possible pitfalls that await the new city. And he'll talk about, from his standpoint, the positives and the pros that are on the other side of this. And you get to make up your own mind and uh, we will talk with someone from the city or BRAC in the coming weeks about this because this story is beginning now. I think it's it's in this infancy. I, I believe a list is going to be submitted to the governor that will include suggestions for mayor and city council. And the governor will decide whether or not he is going to appoint based upon that list or do something different. I think tradition dictates that he likely will take the advice of the people in the district. But there's so much to talk about. And Drew Morrill, well, he's got the answers. Podcast225.com. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. 
To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Here we go. go. This is The Clay Young Show. Back with Drew Murrell, and for the life of me, I've known him all these years, and he was okay with me calling him Morell, and then he just surprises me with that bombshell at the beginning of our last podcast. Sorry about that. Thanks for that. So here we are now, post-vote for the incorporation of the city of St. George. Looked it up. 17,421 people voted in favor of it to only 14 or two 14,800 67 who did not it will be the fifth largest city in the state of louisiana with a population in excess of eighty-six thousand people real estate wise drew how does it compare to other in sheer mass to other cities in louisiana well we're, we're going to be 60 square miles in size uh geographically that actually makes us smaller than the city of central uh, yeah, central, central, sense. I believe, yeah. is somewhere between sixty-three and sixty-six square miles. So we're we're comparable. You know, we're obviously the same size as Central, size-wise, mm-hmm. uh, with three times the population. Right. So now this has happened, and there are a number of questions. And you know, normally I don't, I don't even, I don't script questions, but I kind of kept a couple things that I wanted to ask you about here. I want to talk about utilities, law enforcement, the inevitable lawsuits that are going to be happening. As you know, I think we talked about this the last time you were here, and then some recent news about a business annexation back in to the city. But let's start with this. So now that this has happened and there has been an election, what's the process now? Well, we're waiting on uh, the certification process. You publish the results of the election, and then you have a 30-day timeline of which that becomes certified. Uh, we're also waiting uh, on the governor to appoint the interim mayor and city council. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, that'll happen sooner than later so we can get to the business of creating St. George. So for us, that's kind of a the pattern we're waiting for. Certification, obviously, is just the passage of time, but we hope the governor can move forward and make some appointments for us. I saw the press conference you did last week. I think, was it at Press Club? I know it's actually at the St. George Fire Department. Oh, that's right. That's right. And you talked about expecting a January uh, appoint you, you, the appointments to take place in January so that the elections would go by. Is that right? Well, if you kind of look at the timeline of what's happened before with Central, and the general timeline for the process would be that certification is going to occur by November 20th. Uh, somewhere around that time frame. And then at that point, the governor has about 30 days to appoint your interim mayor and city council and then put it on the first ballot for spring. And if you start doing the, the time delays and you look at it and you follow centrals, it's around Christmas when he would appoint interim mayor and city council. Uh, so Jan 1 is kind of a good start date, start your new year. Everybody's in place for the interim period and let's move forward. So there is, as you say, there's going to be a list of names for the city council, the mayor, police chief, I'm I'm assuming too. Yes. I mean, reality is the governor can appoint anyone he wants. Uh, It's whether or not he wants our input 
It, but it, tradition is the list that's submitted is, is heavily considered. Yes, but as soon as I start talking about tradition and unwritten rules, you start looking at Metro Council meetings where I'm told that doesn't exist anymore. So I'm not going to presume that anyone goes through a process. I'm going to presume the governor is going to make the decision and ask for input if he wants it. And if he does, we're going to supply that input to him. Has, has the group had conversation with him since the election or since the, the vote? No, only or his as, office, rather. Uh, only as far as scheduling a date to get together and trying to figure out the best time to get together. Other than that, we haven't had a discussion as far as uh, what he's looking for for us at this point. Eddie Rasponi is is in support of this and has been long before now supporting the incorporation. What's your and the governor has not been in the way of this, but what is your feeling about where he will stand? And in the event that, let's say, he he is successful on November 16th, I would hope he would allow the process and and the vote of the people to move forward and dictate his appointments and how he treats St. George. We've tried to maintain and we've always said we're not a political process. St. George is not an R or a D uh, or even an I. It's a, a city trying to be built from the ground up. And we don't want to play party politics. We want the best and the brightest in St. George to contribute to building our city. And, you know, I think it's surprising. We get labeled a lot in St. George, especially the organizers and the volunteers. You know, but when you start going through and actually look up the party affiliations for people, you will find out pretty quickly. We're a lot of R's, a lot of D's and a lot of independents. It's a it's a mashup. And the idea is to create the best city. And sometimes you get ideas from different places. Why would we exclude somebody who's bright and intelligent and has our best interest in mind because of a party affiliation? Well, or or racially, because that's been the biggest thing about this in the last, I guess, six years yep. that this discussion has been gone going on is that St. George is just a bunch of white guys who don't want black people in their town. So they decided to take their ball and go and go home. I think we've talked about that yep. the last couple of times you were here. Now that the vote has happened, just address that again. Well, I'm like, you know, we didn't build a wall around this city. You know, my neighbors come from all different backgrounds, from racial backgrounds to religious backgrounds to any kind of different backgrounds you can imagine. It's not about race. We've never looked at racial demographics uh, unless we were asked to look at it uh, by the opposition. For us, it's always been about let's form a better government so then we can go form a better school system so that everybody who lives in our area can can have a chance to have a successful family and a successful home. And most importantly for me is my children can grow up in St. George and I know they can be successful if they choose to live here after they're adults. You know, when I think it was not the first time, the second time, because I think the first time we did this, we were at my other office. You're right. And the the last time you were here, we talked about the the reshaped boundaries of St. George. And I and it was one of the first questions that that I asked you about that. And you said, well, there were parts of the first iteration of this that said we didn't want to be a part of it. So when the lines were redrawn, you cut them out. Yeah. And I, and I think what's what's humorous to me about this argument is we look solely at response. If you did not sign the petition and you did not support it the first time, we had a shortened time frame to get signatures the second time. The first time you had a limited amount of time to gather signatures and turn them in. 
The second time we had nine months to gather 25% of the registered voters to get on a petition. That's a monumental undertaking. We can't afford to include areas that did not support this effort at 25% because we weren't going to get on the ballot. And then even if you got on the ballot, you weren't going to succeed because you knew you didn't have sufficient support in those areas. What I think is funny is the opposition continuously tells us, why didn't you include those people? But no one ever asked those areas if they wanted to be included. I've sat with some of these people and said, hey, I keep getting told I'm supposed to have you in St. George. And they're like, no, I don't want to be in St. George. We haven't got any support. Now, if they support us and they want to join St. George after incorporation, they can apply for annexation and then we can review that and move forward. And what does that mean, review that? Well, I mean, it's got to go through the same process you would if you annexed into the city of Baton Rouge. It would go towards your city council, Mm -hmm. determine if they're contiguous, determine if they fulfilled the criteria, because there's a lot of criteria. People keep making it sound like this annexation process is really fast and easy. No problem. There's a process you have to adhere to, and there's a lot of requirements to it. So you have to review it to make sure it fulfills that requirement and then move forward with the city council vote at that point. And at this point, we don't even have an interim city council. So let's say there's a property owner and he's got he he sees what's happening within the boundary of St. George and like on O'Neill Lane, where there are some complexes over there that are lower middle class to even to even poor or more poor. And the owner says, well, we want to be in St. George. And he goes goes through the process and goes before because, you know, something like that is is likely going to happen. And it's going to it's going to draw all kinds of eyes and ears. Say, "Okay, let's see what they do now. Uh, So what about that? And that's part of reviewing the process to see if it we've promised our constituents that we're going to operate St. George. Uh, and a surplus and, and responsible government. So one of the things I want to make sure of in St. George is if we're going to annex something in there, can we provide services to it? Right. Because Baton Rouge never looked at that. The city of Baton Rouge annexes LaBerge and the mall and made a lot of promises and can't deliver city services to those areas. So they can annex all they want. If they can't provide city services, they're not doing anyone a favor. Themselves, where they're already understaffed in their police department, they're not doing the businesses or the neighborhoods they annex because they're not able to provide those services. And it could wind up really hurting somebody because of their desire to teach St. George a lesson or hurt us. And and these, the Lauberge and I think Renaissance... Was it Renaissance Hotel too? I know that LaBerge, well, this happened, well, the point of the question was, this was when Kip Holden was mayor and there was a big push calling economic uh, centers on Segan Lane and then LaBerge, which is really out just past Gardier. It, sk- it skipped over some really hurting areas to go and get the casino. And so this happened, I guess, five, six years ago now, since yeah. Mayor Broom is, is, is wrapping up her, her third year. And... And I see what you're saying now that and and I'm getting ahead of myself on some of these. But now that Mayor Broom is here and this has now happened, what has been your conversation with the mayor president about what's going on now? Well, we've had limited conversations, mostly about trying to get our schedule straight so we can get together and and have some discussions about moving forward. Um, You know, as far as annexation goes, we haven't had any discussions on it. I anticipate it'll be a topic for us. On the 30th, I I don't know if anybody wins, and and by anybody, I mean the homeowners associations or the businesses, if if Baton Rouge and St. George enter into, you know, territory free agency. I'm not sure what the map would look like at that point. I'm not sure how the service providers uh, will feel about these weird areas they now have to cover. And I think that's something really, if Baton Rouge and St. George want to find some common ground for us, it might be best 
to, to let our, our emergency responders, our first responders sit down with them and go, Hey, can you do that? Can you actually cover that before I enter into a decision that's going to adversely affect not only our city, but the individual constituents involved, can you actually provide that service? And if the answer is no, then we shouldn't annex that property. If the if the answer is yes, and in our case, the sheriff does control, patrol the entire unincorporated area. So if it's unincorporated area, it shouldn't be any difference to us whatsoever. But we want to make sure our first responders are on board with this. It's a partnership with these different first responder groups and different agencies to make sure they can provide those services. I saw in an advocate article a few days ago that Assistant Chief Administrative Officer Daryl Gissel said that in terms of utilities and city services, that not much would change, that that Bat Rouge Water Company would still be providing that to people who would be inside of the city of St. George. And as he understood it, Entergy would still be the electricity provider for the area. What about some of the other services like trash pickup, uh, you know, some of those things that go on in the course of, of a year? I'll say two things about that. One, yes, the services are going to maintained, be maintained, water and energy. But also, if you want to annex into the city of Baton Rouge, you need to realize they have a surcharge for some of those utilities that's part of the Baton Rouge city budget that we won't be paying in St. George. So the services will be the same, but the cost for those services will likely be higher in Baton Rouge. The other city services, as far as parish-wide goes, so for example, I'll throw out, uh, you threw out trash. Mm -hmm. That's part of a parish-wide contract. Right. So we would participate and maintain that contract and still have the same trash service as we have before. Uh, I think you'll find that with St. George, you're going to have a little more oversight of that process where we're going to be involved in the oversight to make sure we don't get to 10,000 complaints before we decide it's okay to do something about it. Uh, oh, it's a shot fired. Well, hey, it shouldn't take 10,000 complaints to, for somebody who goes, hey, I think we might have an issue. Uh, it shouldn't. Uh, at the same time, we're also going to be looking at uh, maintaining certain mosquito abatement would be one. It's a big deal around here. It is a big deal. Um, and it should probably be maintained from a parish-wide standpoint. I think, again, mosquito abatement's an oversight issue, not a contract issue. Um, services that we're absolutely going to want to take over, permitting, zoning, and planning. Uh, we're going to develop a master plan for St. George. It's going to be developed with the citizens in St. George contributing. And then this is a novel idea. We're going to stick to that master plan and make all of our decisions based off that master plan. So we not only grow for the future, but it's smart growth. And instead of developing something and giving out all these permits without thinking about the repercussions, let's do a little development and planning on the front end. So we don't have to worry about the flood disasters on the back end. You know, I got a friends in Shenandoah. They flooded in two inches of water. And that's not supposed to happen. These aren't the hundred thousand year floods. I'm talking two inches several months ago. You mean, yeah, well, yeah, it's and which has been a, 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 another thing to think, think about is there are areas that are flooding now that have standing water almost that never did this before 2016. And it's happening a lot in the southeastern part of the parish. Yeah, and it, it feels to me uh, like it's more of a, a maintenance issue and a development issue than it is a, a rain issue. I had a conversation with Fred Rayford, who you know, and, mm -hmm. and Fred's a brilliant guy, and, and he has he may have been the may be the best DPW director. I mean, this city, this parish has ever had. And I mean, and that's agreed on no matter where you go in East Baton Rouge Parish, people respect him. And I asked him about the that what you just talked about, where there it seems like streets and areas are flooding that we didn't notice before. And he said, really, it, it he, he didn't. He said, it isn't a drainage issue that it's it's 
partially a debris issue, which I guess I could believe up to, you know, to, to a point. And then some of it is construction as well, obviously, because we're changing the landscape of the parish. So what about that? Because there are larger areas out in St. George, you know, larger homes, big, bigger yards and some of those places. What about that part of this? Well, and that's what goes back to, I think, smart planning and smart development. You know, you shouldn't have an entire area zoned A1 residential, and then all of a sudden a new subdivision pops up that's rural. And rural, top of your head, makes it sound like one house on an acre lot, but what it really means is more like five to seven houses on an acre lot. Right. And all of a sudden you have all these zero lot homes go up. Well, the water's got to go somewhere. And that's not smart growth and planning. Part of the issue for us is going to be privatizing those services so we get more consistent benefit. There's more accountability than that the city employees in the rank and file. So if you have smart growth, you can plan for flooding ahead of time. It, it may not be a retention pond every time, mm-hmm. but we have the capability of doing this. And in particular, St. George, because we have such a, a, a flood prone area for right. us, smart growth also might mean slowing down a little bit. Well, because, I mean, if you think about it, going back to 16, which is three years ago now, that all those areas, Hushatu and Jones Creek that had eight or nine, you know, feet of water on it, which still seems unbelievable to think about. And, you know, out on Airline Highway headed that way near Highland and and where the water sat where, you know, for people who moved and, and been around 20 years and never see that kind of water, you're like, wow, that's something you mentioned earlier. And you just referenced it again, privatizing some of those agency services that a, a city does, like permitting mm-hmm. and and licensing and all of that. So talk me through what that will look okay. like. I like to reference permitting because I think it's something if you've applied for a permit in East Baton Rouge Parish, uh, you might still be waiting for that permit. <laughs> uh, and and I'm, not, I'm not kidding. It's, it's a six-month backlog in some cases. I know a guy, it took him two months to get a permit to install a generator at his house. Now, listen, for the better part of 20, 30 years, it's been, it's been a slog. It's been like going to the DMV. I mean, you That's just- right. They're overworked, they're yeah. underpaid, and understaffed. And that creates a monster backlog that can't be met. So looking at the central model, they privatize that service and it's a private contract for those permits. And what happens in those private contracts, you have a turnaround time. And if you don't get that permit issued in a week in central, then that contractor could be in default. So it allows that private contractor when there's demand, they can ramp up. And when there's slow times, they can ramp down in city parish government. You don't have that. You just have the same employees, no matter what, trying to do their best. Sometimes they do enough. Sometimes they're overwhelmed. It's not fair to them and it's not fair to the people trying to do business with a one week turnaround like Central's doing. Everybody gets their permit when they need it. If they qualify for it, you've got some accountability because you have a contract in place. So if they're not meeting the demand, we'll find somebody who will or you contract with a second group to come in and do it. And it gives you flexibility and it doesn't make you have to incur not just the pension cost for those employees, you have the health insurance cost for those employees. If they have equipment like company cars, phones, computer, that is a cost and maintenance for that, that, those, uh, that equipment. That's all a cost that the city of St. George will never bear because we privatized it. Let private industry bear that cost. They're the ones that are going to bid the projects and make the profits. And in addition, it means you can do the services for St. George, which means the local economy now benefits from those private services as well. So about that, uh, 
how do you start that? So when when you are looking, what's the process? Because there, there's going to be a number of those, yes. I would imagine. So what is the process of of that when you you're starting a city and then you're starting to go and get or look for companies that could do that? Send out bids. Uh, the good news is there's a lot of partners available to do both project oversight, project management functions, as well as provide the services. For, for me personally, my thought process is we bid out to all the different, and we wouldn't bid out to one company to provide all the services because what you find out is those companies might be great in the permitting department. They may not be great in lawn man maintenance. You hire those out to several different companies and you have a project manager oversee this. And so essentially the first part of the process is get out your bid. Uh, are you going to do an RFP, an RFQ? Get your bid process out, get your timelines, get bidders to come in, get the process bid out, and then you're underway. How do you make certain that that service stays consistent? And I know on a, on a regular basis, you know, doing permitting and just that specific part, it's fine. But I don't knock on wood. I don't hope we'll have another August 2016 flood. But let's say it's not that. Let's say it's a hurricane or a tornado that, God forbid, sweeps through the southern part of the parish. And all of those things that happen when a company that may be providing service to St. George has some kind of upheaval in some other aspect of their business, and it could have an impact on what they do for the city. What's a contingency for something like that? Okay, so two different levels to the question. On a day-to-day -day basis, if you had an issue with the company, you would terminate them for default and rebid it, or you have it built into the contracts that you're allowed to supplement their services by bidding a second provider to supplement on top of that. Uh, happens As a, lot. a backup plan? Yeah. Uh, and then so from an emergency response standpoint, having hindsight and being able to watch Central helps a lot uh, and being able to see the other cities that, that use the same that we're going to use. Uh, if you look at Central, what they did after the 2016 flood was they went out and contracted with a bunch of emergency only responders. In the case of flood, in case of hurricane, tornado, whatever it is, we can activate this contract and you are required to respond and provide manpower. You know, from the city standpoint, if, if it happens and you're using city employees only, what do you do? Well, nothing, because your city employees are affected personally, so they're having a hard time just getting to work because they're personally affected. Mm -hmm. Then they can't really provide services. They're undermanned and understaffed to provide services for disaster relief anyway, even on a good day. So by having the, the same thing happen with a private company, though, yeah, if they well, have employees that live here, you can have a multitude of private contracts. What happens with the electric company every time we have a storm? You bring in people from out of town. So these contractors for disaster relief don't necessarily have to be local only. Uh, they can be larger companies. It depends on what your RFQ requires and sure. demands. But the demand is you have to meet the need as soon as possible when you're activated. And that way you get quickly to disaster assessment. Where do people have needs? And what do we do to start the cleanup and rebuild process? What's the population size? Central is going to be smaller in terms Central of population. Is, Central's 30,000. Okay. We're at 86,000. So we are more than two times i'll give the, you i'll give you a budget analysis so central thirty thousand people has an eight and a half million dollar budget this year saint george is proposing to be three times the size of central with a budget of 48.3 million which is six times the size of central's budget mm -hmm. so we do have the revenue okay. available so that that but that wasn't um i'll come back to that that's a good point but wasn't where i was going it it, it is i guess what i was going to ask is when you're talking about two and a half times the size of central the the velocity at which services are, are required and having to be delivered is greater so central is able to to be able to move at a certain speed where 
St. George won't have the same luxury because you've got nearly 100,000 people in the city and and a great number of businesses in the city limits, and they're going to need it like this. So how do you keep ahead of whatever demand uh, well, may pop up? That's the beauty of having a budget six times the size of Central's. That means our project oversight team can be larger, which will still be a private group. So it's not like we're adding employees and that oversight process will be bigger. You know, 86,000 people, I get it. It's larger than Lake Charles. Sounds like a big city. 86,000 people is a small town. It's still a small town. Where I'm from, we had 80,000 people, and it was considered a very small town. We had three high schools in it, and it ran just fine. Well, comparatively speaking, I mean, you're correct. Houston's bigger than Louisiana in terms of population, so I get that. But this is brand new. And I think that's the thing about this. The the and there's trepidation on both sides, pro and against, about what it's going to look like. Because I mean, people from a distance watched Central. You didn't live in Central. You don't know. Yep. And so this is different. So how do you assuage those concerns that on paper and in theory? It may sound like it'll work, but how do you make certain? Because, you know, theory is not always reality. No. And and for us, the oversight process is important. It's not necessarily uh, the contract and bid process is very important, but it's the oversight of those contracts that makes the difference to people. Because if they're not providing the service you contracted for, it really doesn't matter how great that contract is. And so you're going to have your mayor and your city council intimately involved in the oversight process. You're going to have a project management team that's also involved in that process. And everything's going to be geared towards responding to the needs of 86,000 people. And part of that is, is we're still small enough that you can have a say in your government. You can have a say in if you don't like how the mayor and city council is running your city, you can elect a whole new mayor and city council. It's not going to be much different than central in that regards because 86,000 <laughs> people. And they flipped the whole thing recently. That's right. And I think that's amazing because what that said was, we don't like where we're headed. We want to do something different and we're going to do it. Can you imagine? Could we actually ever do that in East Baton Rouge Parish? No, you can't. Because there's a hard line that wants to maintain the status quo of what they're doing for either their personal benefits or for some perceived benefit they've created in their mind. But in St. George, you'll have a chance to change out your government and do things differently. We have the ability to create a city from the ground up in St. George. So we don't have to make the same mistakes that a city that was created in the 20th century or the 19th century made. We have a chance to create a 21st century city, which means no pension system. We'll never have $100 million in our budget be dedicated to pension debt because we'll never have that system. Now, the city is saying that some of these services are going, from a parish standpoint are going to be coming over to the city because this is a new city, a new entity. And some of those quote unquote legacy costs that we've been hearing a lot about for the last 15 years or so should come over and St. George should eat a slice of that pie. It's unfair that they're not eating a slice. And I want to, I want to find an interview in the past two years that I've done where I've indicated that St. George is not going to pay its fair share. And to, to, to that end, only one group has sat down and talked to the city parish employees retirement system about pension liability and debt. And that's St. George. We've sat down for months and work with them on this, which is why you saw an ordinance get presented uh, to the Metro council. The city parish never participated in those discussions. They refused. They said it was premature. Only in city parish government would planning ahead be labeled premature. But didn't y'all just have a conversation say two weeks ago 
uh, uh, there was there was something in the city council vis-a-vis St. George now happening in a negotiation about something. Yeah, going that's, the, that's the that's the right. That is the Saper's retirement. Who, who was involved? Because the city was then involved at that point, correct? No, no, the city parish never participated. The city parish retirements employees retirement system. I'm going to call them Seepers because it's a long title. Seepers um, is a separate entity all to itself. Uh, and the city parish decided not to participate or send a representative. It was always us, the Seepers attorney, the Seepers actuary, and the Seepers board. And so where is that now? Uh, it passed as a city ordinance. And so there's a formula in place to calculate the liability for any withdrawing municipality. It's got some uh, fancy lawyer language. Uh, but the reality is it applies to St. George. And it's an actuarial formula where we can determine what our liability is going to be. But there was agreement. There was consensus on, on this, right? Well, there's some things we would like to have seen differently. Um, but for the most part, we thought they were more than courteous. I mean, it was it was amazing that they reached out to us to work with us and actually valued our thoughts and opinions and worked with us. And there's some things they changed for us. Sure. And there's some things we still disagree about. But we were very happy to have a partner willing to discuss things with well, us. Well, this this is now a reality. And, and I think, it, you know, days go by, this is becoming even more of a reality. The You talked about, we talked about utility services like trash um, and, and uh, you know, maintenance on the city uh, permitting law enforcement now. So you referenced it earlier. And as we remember, this currently unincorporated area is serviced by the sheriff's office. Yep. Sheriff Sid Gotro's operation. And in the new city of St. George, he will still provide law enforcement service to the area. However, a, chief, a police chief will be hired. And then there's going to be a budget allotment of $4 million. Four million additional dollars. Four million. The opposition What's likes, the total number? So the opposition likes to say that's all we've budgeted for the sheriff. But if you look at your property taxes right now, there's, I think, three separate millages that are dedicated to the sheriff's office. Yeah. That is going to maintain and remain the same indefinitely. Right. Uh, we have budgeted an additional four million to provide. And we've actually had a meeting with Sid Gotro uh, regarding law enforcement. Uh, he's echoed and reiterated the same statement he put out in the press a few weeks ago that he will continue to provide sheriff service and law enforcement to St. George, regardless of the election. And yes, if we want additional services, that's what we budgeted for. Uh, same What's the total number? Uh, God, I think it's maybe, don't quote me on it, maybe 23 to 25 million annually, but I, I'm not positive on Over that. 20, oh, it's... It, with the four million included, with, yes, it's over right. twenty million dollars, right. uh, and that's specifically for the services because he's got a, a, a substation in Gardier. He's got one in Klein Peter, and I know there's another one, but those are the two. I that think would, there's is there one in Shenandoah or no, in Jones no, Creek area? No, the two, the one that primarily covers St. George is that Klein Peter substation, and you'll have some, not many calls probably out of that guard to your substation. Yeah. But we had a great meeting with, with Sheriff Gotro and we talked about the possibilities moving forward. So you said police chief. Our goal is to have the police chief for St. George solely be the liaison between the city and the sheriff's office, because that way we're allowing the law enforcement community to do their jobs. We don't want a politics to play a part in law enforcement. It shouldn't. Law enforcement should be about protecting and serving the citizens of the area. Who better to do that than an elected official, Sheriff Sid Gotro? We'd much prefer to give him the tools and resources to make a better sheriff's office than to splinter off and have maybe a fledgling underfunded police department uh, or, or, or do something else. Why not just give him the resources? What if Sheriff Gotro said, hey, I want a new substation in the Jones Creek area? That would help out. 
that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to defer to the guy who does it for a living. Okay. That, that's, I've heard this in other areas with things before, and I'm going to throw this at you right now. No one can disagree with the popularity of Sid Gotro personally. Admittedly so. He's personally a friend of mine, and I think people support him. 73% of the people in the parish said, hey, we want to keep him as our as our sheriff. Not sure what the hell the other people were thinking about, but that's a subject yeah, for another yeah. podcast. But let's say in four years he decides, I no longer want to be sheriff. I want to move on down the road. And God forbid you end up with someone who isn't favorable to what's happened here. Now, we're four years down the road in this process. So there will have been a lot of materialization of the reality of St. George. And they come in and they start to have a disagreeable policy about what should or shouldn't happen out there or say, eh, well, we need more than four additional million dollars. We want eight or nine. Do, do you back yourself into a corner by not having a police chief that gives you an opportunity to say, you know what, we're going to do something different? No, because I think you always have the opportunity to review that every year. Central didn't start off with a police department. They acquired one later because they felt like they needed it to do certain functions. They didn't have to have it, and they didn't have to start it. They right. chose. Well, they to only do it. had a police chief at the, yeah, at the and time. they the, down the road they decided to expand that and, and create that department. For us, uh, we think the benefits of uh, utilizing the sheriff's office and providing that additional revenue is going to be so beneficial to not just St. George but also the sheriff's office. There's going to be a mutual benefit there. The things that we're going to be capable and, and wanting to do together are going to be so beneficial that regardless of when Sid decides he doesn't want to be sheriff anymore, which appears to be what's going to have to happen, he's going to decide, <laughs> yeah, he, to decide he wants to retire um, or he wants a higher office because at 73%, you can run for a lot of things. He ain't doing that for but, sure. <laughs> but in his current position, I think the guy who replaces him or the girl that comes along sure, after him sure. is going to see the benefits of this from what we're going to do. If it's anything remotely close to the ideas we're tossing around now, then it would be highly unlikely that a sheriff would ever not want to be a partner with St. George. So how much you got a little time? Yeah, we, okay, I got okay, plenty okay, of time. Okay. So, so back to this, you, you, you said that the police chief is going to be the liaison between the sheriff's office and the city. So what's that job description? Because that, technically that's a chief in name only. It's well, not it, really a functional know, police chief. Again, I'm not in law enforcement, so I'm not going to be the expert in law enforcement matters. Uh, your mayor and your city council are not experts in law enforcement matters. Well, they may, some of them may be, mm -hmm. but we'll just assume that they're not. They're laymen as far as law enforcement goes. You need someone to come in and say, hey, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's the idea that we're doing. We're going to build a new substation for the sheriff's office. And you've got to, and that uh, police chief is going to explain to the city council why it's beneficial to approve that measure, that expenditure. Because ultimately, we're going to be accountable to the public for whatever we spend out of St. George. And yeah, it's easy to say giving the sheriff money is going to be approved and the population as a whole is going to love it. But that same process is going to take place with all the city processes. In the sheriff's mind, that police chief is someone that can explain to us what the sheriff wants and how we can benefit him. And also can take back to the sheriff, hey, here's what we can do or here's what we got. It's, a, it's, another, it's another checks and balances system to make sure that we're on the same page with the sheriff's office and that we're able to communicate what that vision is with not only the mayor and city council, but also the citizens of St. George. So that's a vital role. It's a valuable role. It's just not the traditional police chief role. Right. It's going to be interesting. The has the list been sent to the governor already? Not that I'm aware of. No. So once the, if there was such a list and I'm not sure there is, <laughs> 
I knew you couldn't say and that you with know a straight what? face. And by the way, anybody I'm told can submit a list to anybody. I mean, if you if you want to be the the mayor, you want to be city council, uh, feel free to contact us, stgeorgelouisiana.com. You can email us, post on the Facebook page. So you want to put that out there? Yeah, why not? If, if we're getting the best and brightest, and look, you know, I'll tell you, a, a really wonderful friend of mine, it, it couldn't be, uh, she's, she's a Democrat, and her and I disagree on St. George. And she's a wonderful person, and she is super intelligent and makes a very good argument. I'm thankful that she was not a vocal opposition because she would have been much more trouble for me to deal with than the opposition that's out there. Uh, at the same time, and you know what? After the election, she's one of the first people I thought of. How do I get her involved in St. George? Because she's one that's going to challenge us. She's going to make us earn it. And if iron we, and, and if she exactly right, we may learn something from yep. each other working yep. together that could make it St. George even better. You referenced some of the people being out there against you. Uh, you know, Richard Lipsy was vocally against you. Skip Bertman and Roger Kadar were in, were, were speaking against this. I'm trying to think who else was out there. There's a number of businesses, but primarily the baseball coaches at Southern and LSU. And then Richard Lipsy, who spent some money on, on, on some mailers and some TV being against you, basically saying that Drew is the devil and don't listen. Oh, well, I, they didn't say that. Part, no, I mean, he, I, I've, I've met with Mr. Lipsy before. Uh, during this process to try to gauge and figure out why why would you be opposed to St. George? Yeah. Um, and, and truthfully, I think he lives in a different parish than I do. Uh, when I, I asked him if his employees uh, moved to Prairieville, do, do you have any employees that live in Ascension? Oh, I do. I do. Why do they live there? And he tells me because Baton Rouge is landlocked because the Mississippi River is back here. They got to move somewhere. And I said, I think you want to talk to those employees. And three days later, the advocate publishes number one reason why you move to Ascension schools, economic benefit, 421 million annually. So I think we just have a different reality and it's really wonderful for, for the rich elite to be opposed to St. George from behind their, their Richard's a good guy now. I mean, you know, I'm inclined to disagree. You don't, you don't, (laughs) why don't you think he's a good guy, Drew? Well, because of the uh, the baseless accusations he made in several mailers. I mean, you want to come out, uh, if you, you want to deflect and say you're a great guy, then then don't take baseless shots at us uh, and the organizers and question our motives in the press and question our motives in mailers. Uh, you had a, he had a chance to sit down and talk to me about that. And if you may not remember that conversation, it may not have been meaningful to him, but it was meaningful to me right. because I'm trying to build a situation where families have a choice on if they can go to a free public education or if they're forced and, and required to pay for a private school education. Not that there's anything wrong with a private school education. I'm not knocking it. You go to the best school for your family, but for those lower income families that can't afford it, why should they have to suffer and be thrown away and be forced to go to F-rated schools? They shouldn't. From an economy standpoint, why should we continue to maintain a billion-dollar budget in a city the size of Baton Rouge? Why should we have the third highest tax sales tax rate in America? That punishes the poor and middle class. So that's the, you know, that's the difference. Mr. Lipsy doesn't live in our world. He doesn't understand what we have to go through in day-to-day and budgeting. He's always been rich. He doesn't have any kids that went to public school. He doesn't have a dog in this hunt. And his friends... But a lot of the establishment will say, and and I do say establishment because these are people who've been around for a long time. Oh, yeah. been involved in in, in the the way things happen around here are are against it because of the Baton Rouge brand. And, and, And I don't mean that as a derogation. I mean, people who believe 
that Baton Rouge has its brand. People in other parts of the country or in maybe the world have heard about Baton Rouge, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's important to keep the brand together. Well, if we, if we had such a great brand, Brack wouldn't be sending people to visit other cities to learn how to do it better. And if they would actually come back with the lessons they learned from those cities, and I'll, I'll throw out and I've talked to you about it before, uh, Austin, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee, and Cincinnati, Ohio have all been canvassed by Brack in the last decade. And what they all have in common is a multitude of cities and municipalities in the same metro parish, the, the primary metro area parish, with a, at least a dozen to two dozen independent school districts. Yeah. And what happens is those suburbs in that metro area are driving the growth at almost double digit paces, while the metro area becomes solely the hub for business. And that's where we want to go. If you want to have a Baton Rouge brand, I'm tired of hearing about Baton Rouge is going to be the next great American city. Guess what? It's been 20 years and it ain't happening. St. George has got a chance to be America's next great suburb. And if you let us do it and you support it and you become a part of the process instead of fighting us all the time, you can watch us grow. And as we grow, the parish grows, the revenue grows. How do I know? Central's now much bigger than it used to be. And they went from a $4.5 million budget in year one to an $8.5 million budget now. So they've almost doubled their budget. Okay, this is true, everything you said about Central and what's happening there. But but there was pushback with local government because a lot of the things said early on is that we would not be raising taxes. We wouldn't have a need to do that. And that was required after some time. And you know, people like Mac Watts and all those who were in there when, when the initial government were set up, they got all of them out of there. Now, to clarify... City of Central has never raised its taxes. The City of Central's budget, that $8.5 million we're talking about, mm -hmm. is solely raised off the 2% sales tax. Right. The school system raised money because, much like the rest of the parish, uh, it's been underserved by the EBR parish school system. And they didn't have, <laughs> we'll school, get to that they didn't have adequate facilities or facilities at all. And all of a sudden, they needed to do that. So they did that. And I, I, yeah, there was I, anger in the area over it. Though. And you question the people in Central of whether they want to give back that top five school district and number pay less two, taxes. Number, number two. Yeah. But parentally, top five school district. And I bet you they're happy to be there as their property values have gone up. Their kids are getting a wonderful free education. And their city is thriving. So that's that leads to that question about taxes. You talked about the the size of the city government, city budget for St. George in relation to the population and privatizing these services so that you won't have to incur a lot of retirement and pension and all these other numbers. But there are people who are saying the numbers, the number that you made up or that you have is made up in species. It's not a real number. You can't run a city with that amount of money. What's your response? I, to that? I challenge you to find a city that uses our public private partnership model that hasn't been successful. And, and, you know, I, I always talk about uh, Johnson's Creek and Sandy Springs Sandy and Roswell, Springs, Georgia. Yeah. These are all Fulton County cities that were left behind by Fulton County who only focused on Atlanta. And now you have these thriving suburbs that are building. Sandy Springs built a $50 million arts and humanities center. And no one even knows where Sandy Springs is. You know, I'll use an example a little. Well, they've had to change some of their initial theory about. Well, how that they've city been flexible with it, and they yeah. decided that that they could meet their uh, needs. They by They being Sandy Springs. Yeah, Sandy right, Springs yeah. decided this year they could meet the needs by hiring some public employees. What they're not doing, they're not civil service protected. They they're not on pension systems, and they're on contract. They can be reduced or increased as needed to fit the needs of the city. Instead of when I say public private partnership, we focus on the private part of that. 
But there is a public component to that that says if it's beneficial for the citizens of St. George, both now and in the future, then we're going to do that. Don't get pigeonholed into one frame of mind. Look at the Woodlands, Texas. I don't think there's anybody that's going to tell you the Woodlands has not got a phenomenal way of life. They've got a very comfortable lifestyle, and they're doing very, very well. And it's the same public-private partnership. I think they've got about $90 million in surplus right yeah. now, which might be too much. Maybe you want to lower some taxes. But it's a good problem to have. If we're arguing over budget surpluses, like I was arguing with a lady at the library over Central's budget surplus. I said $1.1 million. She said 600000 And I said, you know what we're having an argument over, right? The difference in the amount of the surplus. Have you ever had that conversation in Baton Rouge? No. We're wondering how we're going to pay off the debt we've got now because we're the second most underfunded and overleveraged city in America. So the the, one of the other arguments made by the city has been with this now happening that agencies and departments across the board are going to have to take I think eighteen or nineteen percent cut in and staff resources, what have you. And and I know from your standpoint, I wouldn't ask the question. Well, how do you feel about that? Because that's that's a different thing. But that being the case, what are you hearing from people who may live within the city limits, who either have business indirectly or directly with the city, who will be affected by that? Okay, uh, a couple of different thoughts on that. Is one, um, you factor in that we're taking forty eight point three million from the city parish budget, but no one wants to factor in we're taking our pro rata share of those expenses as well. So a 20% reduction sounds like our percentage of the expenses. So if you're reducing by 20%, that means we're taking that with us. So there's no loss for the city parish. But there could be jobs lost. Well, you know, and that's a real thing for for people. It is. It is. If the city parish thought there was really a loss, shouldn't they put out the actual budget that reflects St. George's reality? And yet they've chosen not to. In fact, I heard Matt Watson say this morning that he sat down at a meeting with the finance department and asked about the St. George expenses. And we're talking in the last week or two. And he was told it couldn't be quantified what our expenses are going to be. What? You mean we're after an election that you've known about for almost two years and you can't quantify what's being spent on the city of St. George or... Is the truth you don't want to admit that we're just taking our pro rata share and the loss to the city parish is actually negligible at best. So that's one thing. So the other part of that question was talking about people like me. I live in St. George. My business is located in Baton Rouge City. It's going to benefit the parish as a whole for a successful St. George. The parish is officially losing population as of this last year. And it would be more dramatic if not for Central and Zachary's successes and almost double-digit growth. We'd have almost a double-digit loss. If St. George is successful like we're going to be, you're going to see a reversal of that. And instead of having people doing all their shopping at Jubin Crossing, because that's where the population migrated to, you're going to have those people doing their shopping at home and getting their businesses and services at home. So when I leave my neighborhood and I, I take a left onto Jefferson, I don't stop at the imaginary border where St. George is going to start and Baton Rouge is going to start. I keep going and I go to 
they should pay me for all the average New York bagel because I eat there a lot. Uh, no, they should pay me. It's on my show. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's right. They should because I, I, I do. I go and I think of the places I go, and it's it's New York Bagel. It's down to Town Center, and that's my area of town. So I visit all those places. Drusilla Seafood. I go to mm-hmm. Rouse's, and these are all Baton Rouge places, yeah. and they benefit by having more people in St. George because we're going to spend more money. I know this because Central's budgets almost doubled. They've created businesses out there where there were none. And that's in turn created more opportunities, more reasons for people to live there, and more revenue. And that's what's going to happen. Your business benefits if we're all here. Your business doesn't benefit if people continue to vote with their feet. And their feet are taking them to Livingston and Ascension, where your business is not. One of the things you referenced earlier, and I want to get to the to the school system. We've kind of talked about that indirectly a little bit. I referenced earlier that United Plaza on Essen Lane, the, the building's been there that complex has been there for a while i think it was it yesterday i believe so as we record this we're recording on the 22nd on the 21st he started the process to be annexed back into the into the city of baton rouge and there's a headline that said first business wanting to be annexed in and i wanted to get your response to that because we're still less than 24 hours from when this news was made so let's do a deep dive on this one annexation petition Uh, you said he, he is Charles Landry, yes. correct? Yes. He is the managing partner, I think, owner of that building. Yes. He's also a local attorney. Yep. Did you know he handled all those commercial annexations that Baton Rouge did the last time around? I believe he was the attorney for all of those. Really? He, re- he represented the annexation group. Um, you know, for me, let's look at who the messenger is on that one. Uh, and it may be more telling than the actual idea that one business might want to annex into Baton Rouge. Let's look even further. He said he was happy with his city police service at that building. Well, that's not happening unless he gets a special deal that the rest of us don't get because we don't get in the St. George unincorporated area, all the unincorporated area, we do not get Baton Rouge police service. Right. So he can be happy with them if he crosses Essen, but where he is, he's not getting Baton Rouge police service. Let's look even further. What is he getting by annexing into Baton Rouge? Let's think about that. Uh, He's getting uh, higher taxes. He gets a Baton Rouge municipal tax that doesn't apply to him, but has no homestead exemption at all. He gets uh, that his utilities are going to go up because there is a little surcharge built into being in Baton Rouge City. He gets to keep paying the St. George Fire District tax because that's the only fire department that's coming out to service him. Uh, He's still paying the sheriff millages because that's parish-wide. But his taxes are going up on day one. The same people that two weeks ago were telling you no St. George, no new taxes, are now telling you to annex into the city of Baton Rouge who pays higher property taxes than St. George does. Why do you think he did this? Well, he's, he's been getting rich off Baton Rouge his entire adult life. Why would he stop now? Look at the rich elite. They've been doing business the same way their entire lives. That's how they got to be Baton Rouge's rich elite. You think they want to stop their tax exemptions now? You think they want to stop getting those city parish contracts now? No, they want to maintain the status quo. They don't care about you. They don't care about the middle class and the poor because they're making money hand over fist. The the folks against this, and we talked about this earlier, that the incorporators of this thing don't care about the middle class and the poor. Let me tell you right now, the only people in the parish that care about the middle class, St. George, Central, and Zachary. 
The only people that, that care about having a place for the middle class to live and raise a family, the only people who care about a decent public education, the only people that care about controlling spending, it's the middle class, and that's the people that live in St. George. And you know what? If you don't hurry How up- How can you say that? I can say How it. How can you say nobody in the city government- I can say it because I'm watching the middle class yeah. leave hand over foot as fast as they can get to Livingston and Ascension. Sure. And they've been doing it for a couple of decades now. And that's where the middle class are going. And you know what? I, w- I don't blame them. If you, got, if you can have extra disposable income and a better life- why wouldn't you do that? Well, a, a big part of this that you talked about earlier, and 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 by the way, there are people who work in a, across the board in the parish who care about the the, the middle class and the poor. Specifically, I think you're speaking to the way government functions. What are we getting for that? What do you what what is better about having the higher taxes that we have now and the higher sales tax in America? What are we getting out of that? Nothing. Well, I was going to ask earlier, and you came in here loaded this morning. Sorry, I haven't eaten yet. Yeah, I have that same thing. <laughs> same thing happens to me. Uh, so this started all those years ago with a discussion about public schools. That was the beginning of this. Before there was a discussion about the city of St. George, There, the discussion was about the St. George School District. And we don't have to rehash all of the steps between then and now, but there is now. So now it appears there is going to be a city of St. George and the, the inevitable conversation is, so when does a school district happen? The East Baton Rouge Parish school system has been, has preemptively out there and obviously are not in favor of this. So direct question, when does the school system discussion start from within the government of St. George? October 13th. Okay. It's already started. Okay. Uh, it started before the election. Um, we've always said, I know the first time around, the it, the impetus was solely on a school system. Uh, and as I told Mr. Lipsy, when he promised he could get us any schools we wanted, in the meeting I had with him, he promised if we dropped the city thing, we could have any schools we wanted. Um, I said, you know what? That would might have been fine the first time around, but we want more. We want a better city. We want a better way of life. And part of that is a school system. So the school system was the impetus for go around one. It is merely a reason, a very important reason in round two. So those discussions have already started. Um, we're already Which are res- what? How to move forward, the best way to move forward, uh, the best way to do that as far as legislation goes, the best way to do that as far as involving. Now that we're the city of St. George or we're on the impetus of being the city of St. George, uh, you know, more people are coming out and wanting to be involved with the next process. Uh, they've now seen the city successful. Um, they now want to be a part of what, what is the school system going to look like? How does it function? What are the boundaries going to be? Yeah. And these are discussions we have to have. It's almost like a master plan, but ahead of time. There are, there are children because the, the only high school in St. George now would be Woodlawn. Correct. And there are children who attend Woodlawn who are in the city of St. George and then some who would not be within mm-hmm. the city limits. How, how, did, how does that work? Well, it's, the great thing is legislation was passed several years ago. It's Louisiana Revised Statute 17, 67.4 that says when the taxing authority is transferred and the school district is created, any student in high school will be allowed to finish their high school career. And that's mm-hmm. both the kids in St. George going to high schools in Baton Rouge and the kids that are from Baton Rouge going to high school in Woodlawn. Those kids will be able to finish out 
their high school's careers. So nothing changes with them. Nope. Or the kids who are already there. So then Woodlawn would, because it's in the city of St. George's limits, would become a St. George school district school. That's correct. And then you would have to have a discussion about brick and mortar for kids in the district, which requires money. So that if there's a school district, then you're talking about creating a budget because the East Baton Rouge Parish school system has a 450 some odd million dollar a year annual operating budget. So then what about that part of it? I know that's a little bit out of the sphere of, of what you're doing here, but I'm sure there have been conversations well, and, to that and end. So uh, def- defaulting back to an advocate article where the EBR financial uh, director for the school system has shown that we're going to be the third wealthiest school district once created. If we use just our St. George boundary lines, then we'll have the third most money per student in the state. To spend. RFP dollars. Yes. Based upon what? Uh, it's based upon uh, a variety of factors. But he calculated that the MFP per student uh, in St. George would be over 18000 So, you know, finances aren't going to be an issue, I don't think, for the St. George school system. Now, as far as capacity issues go... This is a humorous uh, dichotomy between the information BRAC puts out and the information the school system puts out. The school system's own study from, I think, 2017 indicates they're going to close another five schools by 2025. They closed two last year, this year, I believe. They lost 3,000 students between 2010 and 2015. They're operating below capacity Mm -hmm. overall. BRAC puts out that by the end of the 2029, that the EBR school system is going to have an additional 6,000 seats. Well, what is it? You're, you're building more seats for a school system that's shrinking? That doesn't make any sense. So I don't think we're going to, capacity-wise, we're not going to have a problem. The generation from now, when people start migrating back to St. George and people are, are moving back into the parish to, to take those opportunities for free schooling close to where they work, we're going to be in a situation at that point where we've saved up as a budget surplus and we're prepared to build schools. And the only reason we got to this point in the first place is we've been over underserved for decades by the school system. And when you say, just for the edification of people listening, when you say the process has already started as, as it relates to moving towards a school district, I mean, be specific about that. What does that mean? Group uh, committee is meeting to discuss the educational process as far as legislature, when to bring it, what to bring, uh, who might be the author of that bill, uh, what our boundary lines are going to look like in the future. Uh, we're getting, I mean, everything from inquiries on how to get involved to resumes. So yeah. some of that is screening that to say, Hey, we, you know, in the next few weeks, we're going to want to bring some people in to start that process. Um, you know, a lot of us in the St. George effort have been doing it a lot longer than I have. Uh, it's nice to have some new folks come in and help out and, and give us some inspiration for what they want their school system to be about. How much influence is going to be exerted, you think, after the fact, once there is a duly elected government, a mayor, a city council, police chief's been uh, appointed, you've got a public works director who would basically oversee those contracts that the city has. How much effort, and, and shoot me straight on this, do you think that the the framers of this are going to or, or impact or influence, you think the framers are going to want to have on what happens next? I think because of the microscope of St. George, it's not just the the committee members and the organizers and the, the core volunteers, those folks that are out every day, you know, promoting St. George. We're going to want to have our vision realized of this public-private partnership. We want to steer clear of government as usual because we've seen what that got us. So it's going to be a heavy microscope from us because, you know, we've been we've been dreaming of this reality for a long time. We don't want to see someone come in and mess it up. 
But I think what you're also going to find out is the 86,000 people that live in St. George yeah. are going to be uh, looking through that same microscope. They're going to be looking for the politics as usual. No question. And I hope they do. We don't want this to be about Republicans and Democrats. We want this to be about building the best city possible that we can be proud of, that creates a community, that we can go shout. You know, people talk about, I don't want to change my envelope to say Baton Rouge to St. George. You know what? I want you to be proud enough that you don't care. You want to put St. George in that envelope. So for us, we want that accountability because, and we want to realize our vision. We've been talking about it. We're not selling you a bag of goods. We believe it. The, uh, the, the final thing I'll ask you about here is about the lawsuits that are, in, that are coming. I mean, there's already a drumbeat about that. That's so sad. And, and, <laughs> and a big part of it has been about the way that the, the, the vote was scheduled and whether or not there should have been people outside, whether or not the parish as a whole should have voted on this because of the impact it has on the parish as a whole. And I'm sure you've heard it. You've also addressed oh. it in other places, but for someone who haven't, who hasn't heard you address it, what do you say? Did the entire parish vote when central incorporated? No. Baker. Nope. Zachary. Nope. Slidell, Mandeville, Metairie. I can name any, city that incorporated in the history of Louisiana. And I can tell you the only people that voted in that election were the ones in the incorporating area. That's, that's, that's the, that's it. Mm -hmm. Anything else would be a deviation from state law since the sovereignty of our state. There's no reason. I mean, of course, if if you don't live in St. George, you may be against St. George, not because you're hate what we're doing. You're just afraid it's going to negatively affect you. But St. George is about doing something better and it's going to benefit the whole parish and the only affected people are the ones incorporating we had an election the democratic process played out the vote was favorable we won and i think it's sad that instead of moving forward and working together we've had some opposition reach out and say let's work together let's move forward it would be better off for everyone if we just work together and move forward, well, I think that, that and that's going to be the next question and something I'm, I, I know once I get past once we all get past the governor's election that I'm going to revisit is where it, it is now. And you referenced it. I mean, man, you're talking about less than 3000 votes separating for and against a 54 percent margin in favor of and a 59 percent voter turnout, which right. is historically uh, high. Oh, no question. And that's that's one of those ironic things about Louisiana that as it relates to registered voters by percentage, we are like one of the top five in the whole nation. But in terms of turnout, well, we all know that story. Yep. So now with that margin being so slim, what do you do for people for the 14,867 people who live here who are likely not going to be putting up Remax or Keller Williams or name the real estate sign tomorrow? But you're going to have to deal with them. So what's the plan to address that? And and I want to deal with them. And I do reach out to them and say, hey, look, why did you not support St. George? What was your problem? You know, for those who just, they just don't want to quit saying Baton Rouge on their envelope. You know, hey, you don't have to keep it the way it is. God love you. I can't help you. But for those who, who, who want to see a desire for a city that's run without the problems. I mean, when you get to start with a clean slate and you don't, have to inherit all the problems of the past. You don't have to inherit pension liability you can't get rid of or a system of employment that you can't get rid of. You can start fresh. You're the one that's going to control your taxes because you're the one that gets to vote on them. You're the one that can control who your leadership is. The entire government 
from your city council to your mayor, you have a say for the first time in your life in St. George. Please get involved in the process. Share your ideas. What do you like? I mean, if it's something as silly as you don't like the name of St. George, you know you can actually put that on the ballot and vote on it if you wanted to. If you want, if you if you don't like it, if you think this is about Republicans, then I encourage you come sit down with our group and talk, and you'll find out that our political interests run the gamut, and everybody's got a place at the table in St. George that you don't have in Baton Rouge. So let's sit down and talk about it and find out what your concerns are. And even if I can't agree with you. I'll understand, make a note of it, and hey, maybe I'll learn something, and maybe you'll learn something. But we can't do that until we sit down and start having civil discourse. I Well, yeah. Yeah. I won't even follow that point because that's a good one. Civil discourse. Hmm. Uh, it, it really is a shame to know that our children are watching that. And we wonder why, in so many ways, they're reacting the way that they are when they're having disagreements and problems. Yep. When you when you watch people act like spoiled brats in public, man, and then you're surprised. I mean, we got to do better, and I think we're we are capable. Is there anything else that, that we didn't cover today that you want to get out there? No, I'm just hopeful that that people do want to get involved in this process and have their say in their their government. Don't don't move. Don't sell your house. Don't annex into higher taxes for no reason. Sit down and let's really talk about what you want your city to look like. You got a chance. Today's opposition could be tomorrow's mayor. It's going to happen. And let's talk Today's about Today's opposition could be tomorrow's mayor. Yep. Let's talk about it and let's let's find out how to create a great city and let's do it together. We have some ideas. We've offered solutions. No one yet has told me why it's beneficial to be in the city of Baton Rouge. I have yet to hear somebody give me a really good reason. Well, no, don't tell me how terrible St. George is. (laughs) Well, maybe not a reason you agree with. No, no one's. I mean, I haven't heard a legitimate reason why yet. You want to go to higher taxes? Baton Rouge got that covered. You want pension debt? Baton Rouge got you covered. You like how big the government's getting? 4,000 employees per capita, which is per capita um, as much, if not more than Detroit had pre-bankruptcy. You want that? Baton Rouge has got it for you. If you want small, responsive government, you want to keep paying your taxes like you have been, uh, and you don't want more taxes, then you probably want St. George. If you're on his team, you love him to death. If you're not on his team, you just want to push him off a bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Drew, thank you for coming in, brother. Thanks always for having me. Podcast225.com. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money. That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. Clay here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. Exactly how long have you been wiping rodents off the planet? 26 years. 26 years. 
So let's talk about what you're going to do in the 27th year. Well, you know, it's amazing. If you look at the reproductive cycle of a rodent, mm -hmm. two rodents over a course of 12 months can become 3,400. What? Yeah. It's a serious problem and not something you want to take lightly. And the reason we get so many customers from the big box stores is because you can feed them buckets and buckets, and it's like you're just feeding them. Mm. So you mm. need to use what the pros use. You save a lot of money, and you eliminate the problem. With all the construction and everything going on in the Capital City region, people need to find this stuff. Where can they get it? Well, in Baton Rouge, we're located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or you can give us a call with any questions at 27347 Eight, eight. Make your lawn, gardens, and even the inside of your house safe from rodents and pests at Pest Stop. The issues, the policies, the people. This is the Clay Young Show. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Thanks to Drew Morrell, or Drew Morrell, for being on the show today. <laughs> Episode 219, all about St. George. And you can tell that Drew is pretty proud of and sure of the details that he talked about with us today. He, uh, he's been going around the, the parish for a little while talking about St. George, and he's spoken in front of the press club and so many other groups about the viability of this new city that is on the cusp of finally happening well the vote has taken place there is still the certification and then the inevitable lawsuits that are going to happen afterwards now listen some people will hear drew and it won't change their minds at all because they don't see the benefit of doing this in fact i was in the gym this morning and i was talking to some some guys and then just kind of just kind of a brief thing in the beginning, you know, because I kind of want to get right to why I'm there. And they're talking for a while. I go all the way through my deal and they're talking as I leave and they're talking about St. George. And I kind of stopped and and was listening, just standing there with them. I didn't say very much and was listening. And it all comes back to we don't know. And so city officials and people inside of the city think that there can be solutions to what is, what is happening here in the parish without having to have another city. People in the southeastern part of the parish are saying, look, we're tired of waiting. We want to do something on our own. And we believe we can. And I'm telling you, this is even more so than most things in politics. This really is one of those cases where where you are determines what you think about this. And I don't mean real estate wise. I mean, philosophically, because there are people who live inside of the city limits of Baton Rouge who want to be in St. George. I've spoken to some of them. And there are people who live within the boundary of St. George who are saying they're going to sell, they're going to get out. And I'm telling you, depending on who you talk to, it is extremely in one direction or the other. And over the next few weeks after the governor's race, we'll see what happens. We'll get the, the city's perspective on this, too. I'll get the mayor president in to talk about uh, her, her position on this. I mean, you know her position, but to talk about why. Because while St. George may be another city, she is still the parish president. And it'll be interesting to see how this plays over the next few weeks as it relates to parish politics. But Drew's all in on what he's doing, man. All in. 
and the next few weeks are going to be very interesting. Again, thank you for your patience again with the technical issue. Don't know what was happening there with the audio. Was it as as crisp and and as on the ball as normal as this sounds right now, but we are all often at the mercy of our machines. And I guess at least in a hundred and um, excuse me, two hundred and nineteen episodes, we were on this one. But don't worry about it. It will be our unicorn, the one that you heard about but you didn't really see, right? And uh, well, let's try not to let that happen again. But thanks again for being with us. Next week, episode two twenty is a podcast 225 exclusive. You all are pretty smart. So if I started dropping hints, you likely would figure it out. But I'm going to tell you when this one hits and the alerts go out about the, the subject of this conversation and the person in studio with us that I will be talking with, it's going to be a big deal. And that's all I can say about that. And until episode 220, and I'm very excited about it, you guys enjoy the rest of your day or the beginning of your day or your weekend. Whenever you are listening to us, we appreciate it. Thank you for listening to podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.